by Geneva Lee Alban. Julian Russo has a problem. He's single, and for the world's wealthiest vampires, the social season is about to begin. Julian would rather stake himself than participate in the marriage market, but as the eldest Russo, he's expected to find a wife before the season ends, whether he likes it or not. When Chellis Thea literally stumbles into his life at a gala, he knows she's the last person he could ever fall in love with. She's too innocent, too kind, and way too human. But now that she knows about his world, she's also a walking target. She needs protection. He needs a fake girlfriend to discourage overzealous vampire matchmaking. So Julian makes Thea an irresistible offer. Pretend to be his lover and he'll change her life. For one year, they'll attend the season social events together in exchange for his protection in a way out of her mother's crippling medical debt. She can't say no. But the vampire world is impossibly decadent and darker than Thea ever imagined, and Julian's filthy rich vampire family wants her out of the way. But with each moment they share, new dangers emerge, and desire as forbidden as their stolen touches, an awakening of a long-dead heart, and secrets that could tear them both apart. That's Filthy Rich Vampire by Geneva Lee Albin. Get it today! Welcome back, lady listener. I am so thankful that this is an Alexa Riley week because I didn't do shit to get ready for it. <laughs> I know we got on here. I was like, do you have something to talk about? Because I ain't got nothing. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Let's just let's just talk about our backlist. <laughs> we'll just we'll read out. Do you know we've written 192 books? <gasps> no. Yeah, I made a TikTok the other day about it because somebody was like, I need a spreadsheet, and I was like, you know what? I have a Google Doc, and she was like, can you? just like screen grab that for me. And I was like, you know what? I can do, I can record myself scrolling through all our books. You, know so you can see all the titles. You know what's interesting now that you've said that I can admit mm-hmm. something. Yeah. When I was talking to my therapist the other day, she was like, how, you have any books did you write? And I, for some reason, I didn't want to tell her the truth because I thought she would think I was lying. Yes. So yes. I was just like, I was like, get me like a hundred or so. <laughs> and that still Maybe. sounds crazy. A hundred still sounds crazy. It sounds like you're making it up, right? I know. I want her to come off. The yes. Over here lying to me. Yep. I know people think it all the time and they're like, oh, have you written a book? And I'm like, I've written 200, motherfucker. And they're just like, oh. but no, when, when I pull up the Google Doc, and I scroll through all, it took like a full minute to scroll through all of them because there's 192. That's Isn't nice. that insane? And that, like, it, that's just insane. But yeah, like, it, I don't know. It, I can't get over it sometimes when I think about it. And I'm just like, oh. but it does sound fake, doesn't it? It sounds fake. That's why I'm just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so our book this week is Unexpected Claim. And I actually, I did, speaking of TikTok, I did a TikTok about it not long ago. And I talked Which my about mom it. brought up to me the other day. What? My oh, did she bring? Br- yeah, did she bring up the TikTok? Brought up your TikTok. Oh, I see weekend. that she likes my videos. I'm like, hey, Annie, what's up? Girl? I didn't know she was watching them. Mm-hmm. I was over there Saturday for something. I We're don't TikTok know. Friends. <laughs> like, Leah's TikToks are so funny. She's got a good niche going on. <laughs> I need to do more of them. Like I did, I had like a bunch ready to go, and I just posted them. And now I'm like, I'm too busy for that. I'm like, 
but it's it was kind of those things too i'm like oh i've succeeded at it i don't need to do it anymore <laughs> i did it we're done <laughs> now it's only downhill so why do it anymore we're finished so this is uh i'll read the book by for unexpected claim i'm gonna read it now so we can talk about it ivy is looking to break out of her innocent bubble so she decides going to an adult club with her bestie is the way to do it she's nervous and excited but nothing could compare to the reality she's confronted with shep's been totally okay with living his quiet life alone but he but his best friend thinks it's time that changed being dragged into a club wasn't his idea of fun but one glance at the snowy angel and he's done for Warning, this book is about grown-ups doing grown things, so brace yourself. Two virgins walk in. Can you guess how many walk out? One click and find out. This is why I remember last week you were like, I think this is about a married couple. I totally but had it mixed my up head, with the other one. I, but in my head, I was like, no, I think this is the one where somebody said, can somebody write a sex, sex club? Sex club, yep. Where and we were two like, virgins walk in. Uh-huh. And we were and like, like, done. It's The book is actually dedicated to her, to the lady that asked for it. It's dedicated to her on there. But um, but yeah, I got it mixed up with. Wrapped up in her or no? Taking her turn. Oh, right? yes. Yeah, yes. I got it mixed up with that one. We've written 193 books, okay, or 92, whatever it was. We've written a lot of books, okay? That's easy to Can't do. This is an easy mistake to make. So, so yeah, this one was, it was a lot of fun to write because it was about, you know, we, cause it was one of those things too, where we said, how can we take this book and make it fit our Alexa mold? You know, mm -hmm. how can we get, how can we make it safe and how can we make them virgins and how can we make them fall in love? Because I always believe we can, I can take mm -hmm. any story and put an Alexa twist on it. Absolutely. Just give me a second and I'll figure mm -hmm. it out. And it'll be dramatic and over the top and ridiculous, but also fun. So that's what you're going to hear today in just a little bit. Before that, though, I did want to say I noticed something the other day, like that since when the pandemic happened, I remember, I remember very distinctly, I was standing in my kitchen and the school called and said that they were closing for two weeks. And I remember sitting there thinking like, Oh, like, oh, no, it was when they said, sorry, they said they were closing for the rest of the year. It was after they had been closed for two weeks mm -hmm. and like kids aren't coming back. And I remember standing there and thinking, I don't know how I'm going to spend this much time with my kids. I remember being terrified mm -hmm. because I was like, I didn't set my life up to have my kids around me all the time. Like I work from home, like they have their school, they have their activities. What am I going to do if they're around me 24 seven? What, what the fuck am I going to do with these kids? And it wasn't even that like I had to find activities. I was like, how can I parent them all day? Like I don't be an asshole. <laughs> well, not even that. Just like, how the fuck am I going to do without going insane? You know? Yeah. Without because, snapping. Cause I don't like yeah. when I snap. Uh-huh. Yep. And I'm bad about that. Or I was, I was really bad about it. Thanks therapy. But like, you know, I remember having that fear of like, oh my God, I haven't spent this much time alone with my kids since they were babies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that I had, I was really terrified of that. And I actually remembered this the other day when I was like, oh, I wonder if I could pick the kids up from school from early today. Like, can I go get them early? Because I just wanted to hang out with them. And so if anything great came from the pandemic, it was that it really gave me the opportunity to rise to the occasion and be the kind of parent that I, I don't know. It made me really emotional. I don't know why. Like I got so emotional about it, but it yeah. did. 
it gave me the chance to like figure out how to be a good mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Like, <laughs> but anyways, I just thought that was really cool. And like, you know, there's times that, you know, I've little bag and like the past couple of years and, you know, what everybody has been through and how things have changed and altered. And I, oh my God, I saw like Olivia Rodriguez's dad like burn like, what was it like $5,000 worth of concert tickets because the venue wanted to have COVID tests and he was pissed off and they were like, dude, you already bought the tickets. You're just fucking yourself. But anyways, I just thought that was crazy that like people are still bitching about it. But I don't know, like, you know, there's some terrible things that came out of it, but there's been some really great things too. Yeah. So if you've experienced something positive and something awesome, send it to us because I'd love to share it. And, you know, because I think it's important too to, to try to find some good that's come out of it, you know, yeah. especially going through something really tough like that. And also, so speaking of my kids, <laughs> they had a kickball tournament today. And it was the hottest day of 2022 so far. It was like 95 degrees. I think it went up to 97. It was 95 at the time. I got fried. Like, I am so burned. Being like, you can look at this. You can see, I can see your little red. No, you can see like, my intent, mm -hmm. like when I touch myself. Like, I am not ready for summer at all. <laughs> not ready. But they had they had what they called a hype a hype team and Lydia was on it and so like they got to make shirts and hold up signs and like cheer everybody I on. am not surprised one of your kids is on a hype team because I'm I surprised feel like it was could, Lydia. I, if there's two things in life I think you could have been if it wasn't an author mm -hmm. it'd either be a radio DJ <laughs> I went to school for that too <laughs> or a hype man <laughs> I'd be a great hype man right no like, I, I know you would because even like when we went to signings, I think I was mm -hmm. talking to somebody about this the other day. I was like, Leah can feel my energy or something. Whenever mm -hmm. she knows it's going down and we're in public, she's mm -hmm. like, boom, to get <laughs> energy going or to get it off of me or to get me going or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's just this talent she has. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, I was surprised it was Lydia and I wasn't the youngest one, let me tell you. But I went out there and so it was kind of cool. Like she had her signs and everything. She was like, I don't to do how do I hype up first grade and I was like I don't know be like when I say kick you say ball kick ball. And she was like what <laughs> like she just didn't get it and I was like but we were out there 15 minutes and I was like all right who's ready to go home early and so I was texting all of her friends parents I was like can I take this person home can I take this person home I had five kids with me when I left <laughs> so I was like everybody let's go and I was signing them all out at the front office and they all know me. So they were like, you're taking that many? I was like, yes, they all want to leave. This is hell outside <laughs> because it was like over an hour they were supposed to be out there. And there is nary a leaf of shade in the whole fucking field. My son so, would have been done. He'd be like, no, I'm out of here. No. And like one of Lydia's friends, he was wearing long black pants and like an oversized t-shirt. I was like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm dying. <laughs> I mean, it was so fucking hot out there. So, but it was actually, it was kind of fun to see it because it was students versus teachers. So did you guys yes. ever do that? Did you I ever do it? Like, I remember doing students against teachers. We had field day. Like we had, we had that. That was always fun. But then we never had like a kickball tournament like that. That shit was pretty cool actually watching it. It made me want to do adult kickball which I had friends that used to do that. I think LB even did that before. She played on an adult kickball team. 
And so, I don't know, it was kind of fun going through and seeing that today. I think I got forced into some softball games before. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah. I I was never one to to get into sports. I played football on the the girls' team. So that was fun. No, I met, like, later in life, like, my early 20s. Like, people still have Oh, you mean, like, like an adult one? Oh, Yeah, like, people had them for their companies, and they needed extra people. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Nobody shows up. It's the worst. <laughs> but it reminded me of something you said that they had their field days and yeah. stuff. And Peyton had a thing he had to go to one Friday night. I don't know why it made me smile so big. So he comes. I gave him money to buy stuff or whatever. And he comes out and he is like covered in head to toe and glow sticks that he had bought with all of his money. Right. What? And he's like, yeah, I got him on. I've been dancing all night. I kind of looked at, I mean, covered head to toe. I can show you a picture. I was like, you look like a dork, Peyton. And I'm laughing. And he goes, I don't care if I look like a, I don't care if I look like a dork as long as I'm having fun. (laughs) I love that. And I was like, that's that's the best comment I can ever hear come out of it. I don't care if I look like a dork. I'm having a great time. I love it. I saw something the other day that I loved. It said, Oh, what was it? It said, and instead of trying to kill the cringe, kill the thing inside you that cringes. And I was like, oh, I love that. That was so cool because it's like, yeah, why are you cringing? It's who gives a fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, I think once you reach the point in your life where you do that, that's when the second part of your life starts. Yeah. I really believe it. Like when, yeah. when that part of you dies off, when you just were like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> it's great. When I hit 40, I was just like, now is the time. Let's begin. <laughs> 40 and fuck off. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So I read a book the other day, or I'd say the other day, last night I finished it. I got it the day before. And I've been, you know, running around with the kids and stuff because it I'm getting all their shit ready for summer and camps and everything. But I got this book and I know I should have waited. I should have waited because it's my favorite crime series. It's Kim Mm -hmm. Stone by Angela Marsons. This is book 16 in this series, 16 books in. And I could not wait. The second I got it, I stopped what I was reading and hit download. I finished it the next day. And I hate myself because it's going to be, you know, she's pretty good about releasing two a year, but it's going to be another nine months before I get another one. But okay. So I don't know if you, if you read this series at all, you're going to fast forward because I'm going to spoil the shit out of this book Uh, because it's so good. Okay. So if you ever want to read this series, just keep on fast forwarding, but you should definitely read this series if you had not, and you're at all interested in like murder, no romancy books or whatever. Anyways, so it starts off and there's a funeral and all the people, this detective Kim Stone is like the lead on her team and all the other people on her team are around this grave crying. And I'm like, she's not going to kill her off. And there's no way. I get to the end of this book and this bitch dies. <laughs> and I am in my bed sobbing. Oh my God. Sobbing. I was like, she fucking killed her after 16 books. But then there's like this twist and she's not really dead. And they just did it. They like had this whole funeral to catch the killer. And it was so good. It was such a good twist. And I was like, 
fist pumping at like two in the morning. I was like, yes, 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 because she wasn't dead. I emailed this author at two in the morning. I was like, this is the best one yet. I've had tears. I was emotional. It was amazing. Like I just gushed over it. I was like, best one ever. I can't wait for the night. Oh. I cannot imagine being 16 books deep in a series. And somebody died. I and would somebody die. still, like, number one, killing her off. But number two, like, still going, like, having a reader that is still this invested, you yeah. know? I can't imagine having a me on the other end of a 16 book series, you know? Can you think of those of series that you've read that long besides Nude Species? <laughs> Not <laughs> that many yet. I was going to say, I don't think she's at 16 yet. Can you think of a book series that you've read that's that many books? You know, Sam Crescent can keep going with some of hers. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look to yeah. see. I don't know. I haven't been reading, but you know what? I did start watching and I watched it on accident. Like my phone hit the play on the first episode or something. <laughs> like I got slipped. up to go to the bathroom and I wear hearing aids. So even if I'm like, moving throughout the house and my phone is in my bed still i can't stop it i'd have to run back up the stairs yeah it starts yeah. off mm -hmm. it's the showtime show about this psychologist she's like mm -hmm. really great psychologist and i guess mm -hmm. she was reluctant to do this series it's on its third series and she doesn't really tell much about her back life because she says that'll kind of give away she's like you can't really know about my life Mm -hmm. for me to do therapy on these people okay and it's couples therapy and it starts in and they're real okay and they sat down and she starts like you going through the series and you start to break down with some of these couples and it just kind of like at first like the first 20 minutes i'm like this is kind of boring and then i get to like the last 10 minutes and i'm like you're hooked oh. <laughs> what's it called it's called couples therapy on showtime oh, okay okay and so just the way that she catches some of the things they say and she'll bring it up and even you get so invested and even i caught stuff like the way somebody would say something i'd be like triggered in my own brain mm. but the way that people operate like i thought i'd kind of understand why people do some of the things that they do yeah but this show really like digs in Ooh, and I you love that. see why like somebody's like an example, one couple where she really loves the guy. They have a kid together, but she's always like on him and fighting him and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And then as you go through, you start to realize it's because she thinks all men leave. Mm. So she's like pushing and pushing and pushing because he's going to leave. He's going yeah. to leave. And she's yeah. testing. She's self-sabotaging. Of course. And it's just all these wow. different relationships. And, some, and one of them, they come in and they sit down and you're like, they're like, we think we need to separate. Like that was the first instance with them. I was like, oh man. Wow, that's sad. And then, but then all of a sudden it goes and it flashes back three months and it's their first time coming in and sitting down on the couch. And they seem kind of like, okay. And you're like, no. Oh no. That's so then so now sad. you're going to see their progression through. Oh, but it was, shit. it's just been really interesting because sometimes yeah. it points, I won't like some of the couples. Like I will mm -hmm. like, I don't like him. But then you start to see why he does some of the things he does because mm -hmm. she starts to like pull it out. But you know, this is like kind of what we were talking about earlier, where I was like, people are complicated. Yeah, you know? and when they and then when they, I start to see why some of them do some of the things they mm -hmm. do, even though you think they're mean, and you're like, she's a bitch. You're like, 
all of a sudden that compassion. But there's a in. reason. Yeah. You're like, oh, I just want to give you a hug. And even, yeah. the, par even the partners, because they don't know, because sometimes the people don't even know until the yeah. therapist pulls it out. Mm -hmm. But what I thought was so interesting is this therapist then goes talks to her therapist mm -hmm. about them because sometimes she gets stuck and she'll talk about she's like some people have to walk around like a minefield but the mm -hmm. whole point of therapy isn't telling them what they're wrong or right she's like it's leading them to understand and to look in a mirror. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is so, I never, like I've done therapy, but I didn't realize this is what they were doing. The process of it maybe? Behind yeah. the scenes. Like they have all kinds of thoughts. They're yeah. not sharing them with you yet. They're leading you to them gently mm -hmm. to put a mirror in front of your face. I just thought it was so interesting to watch. I like I that. Like, that is interesting. Wow. I enjoyed that podcast. Um, where should we begin? Because it was like that. It was couples counseling, but they only had one session. So it's hard to like really grow and learn about a couple just with one session. Yeah. So you get like four couples through the whole season. Mm -hmm. But like I said, some of the most interesting parts was when she'd go to her other therapist and she's like, mm -hmm. I'm trying not to be biased. And yeah. when mm -hmm. do you tell them this and that? And it was just mm -hmm. a very... I like that. That's so cool. It was a very good look into therapy. And I think for couples, because even she mm -hmm. explained, she said, couples come in and they want you to think that he's, a lot of men think that you're going to come at them. And they're like, uh -huh. we generally don't because we don't want to scare them away. Yeah. So she's yeah. like, we're walking this fine line. Because I'll mm -hmm. give you one perfect example. There's one woman that's like hot off the top all the time. Mm -hmm. And she, the therapist will go in at the husband. She'll be like, this, 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 and this. And she goes to him and she's this loud kind of Jersey girl. And she's like, why don't you ever come at me? Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, you want me to be straight with you? Because she knows how she kind of is. She's like, mm -hmm. I've been kind of... She's like, you know, when I told you that you need to take two hours a day to relax and to stop doing shit, I was telling you to sit down and shut up and leave your husband the fuck alone. <laughs> and I was like, I oh love that. It's just like you have to engage how you talk to certain people and yeah. things like that. And that's yeah. what they're really doing. It just gave me a huge different look on therapy. And I think if couples seen that too, how the therapists mm -hmm. are operating behind the scenes, that they aren't trying to play sides, that they're really trying to, yeah, for both. Mm -hmm. Walk it. I and like, I feel wow. like you learn so much watching other people go through therapy, even because there's, there is always a way to relate it back to yourself in instances like that, where you see pieces of it, because, mm -hmm. you know, as humans, we're all, you know, kind of the same, but, you know, really like, nah, like I said, we're all complicated. There's no, there's no 100% good, 100% bad, you know, and there's compassion and empathy and people just want to be loved you know one thing she said one of the girls said when she went to the group counseling the other counselor said it kind of gave me the creeps she goes people look for um partners that they've had a conflict within their own parents because they are still trying to relive that they're trying to solve that conflict still mm-hmm so they pick partners that that conflict is there so they can keep having that fight that they're still trying to solve Maybe that feels safe too, you know, that, like, that's, that, that's a known. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I cannot see it being like, it's a known quantity. So at least you know what you're getting, you know, mm -hmm. so you can't be afraid of the unknown. It's just weird, but it was just an interesting show. If anybody wants to watch it, it's on Showtime. All right. And they just started the third season. <laughs> 
All right. Well, let's let's play the first installment of Unexpected. We don't have anything else to talk about. What do we have? Uh, either new or uh, we're doing a giveaway. Well, technically, <laughs> all the we, stuff. Oh, <laughs> technically, I mean, it's up to you. I'm going to have the final edits back tomorrow, tomorrow okay. Saturday here for us. Mm -hmm. Then we're gonna that book. Um, the first one is going to be out. Oh, the arrangement. Yeah, that the arrangement's going to be out. So that will be out by the time this is airing. Okay, great. So that and we the can drop one. the four submission book whenever we want. Let's do it. Let's okay. put two out next week. Let's go crazy. Okay, so those should be dropping at least by now. The link should be up and live for you guys. I will put those in the show notes for you guys. All right, great. So ta-da, that's what we're doing. What's our giveaway this week? What do you want to give away, Mel? Let's. Oh, uh, I don't know. We can give away signed sign, paperbacks. Yeah, I have some signed paperbacks. You Let's know, I have, we have the Craven Cove we've never given away and the winter Oh, one yeah, that's that right. I've can... never seen. You want me to grab it and I can yeah, show Yeah, sure. Let's show well, them. If, if you guys YouTube. watch this on two, YouTube, you can see this. Let me grab them. Okay. They're sitting right on my shelf. Now you have to climb out of your chair now. Uh. <laughs> Just going to entertain you guys while Mel's gone. Hi, my name is Leah. I like long, long walks on the beach. I'm a Gemini. I'll be 41 on June 11th. Come at me. <laughs> These. Oh, those are so pretty. I so it's those. the whole Craven Cove series. I love the Craven Cove one. Those are so and nice. And this, oh, this winter one only went in a box. It was oh, yeah, that's right. E it went in the Eden Book box. Yep. Yeah. It, so you can't it, even. It's exclusive to that. It's only in paperback that you can get this. Yep. So we'll give it as a giveaway. We'll do yep. it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. So we're going to send you into the first installment and we'll see you on the other side. One for the Money by Sky Warren Finn Hughes knows about secrets. His family is as wealthy as the Rockefellers and as powerful as the Kennedys. No one knows that the men in his line have a debilitating early onset illness. He's managed the business from a young age while his father served as the figurehead, all the while knowing there's a ticking clock on his ability to lead. Ava Morelli is the oldest daughter, the responsible one, the caring one, the one who doesn't have time for her own interests, especially not her interest in the charismatic, mysterious Finn Hughes. A fake relationship is the answer to both their problems. It will keep the swarming society mothers from throwing their daughters at him, and it will keep Ava's mother from bothering her about marriage. Then the fake relationship starts to feel real. But there's no chance for them, no hope for a woman who's had her heart broken, and no future for a man whose fate was decided long ago. Welcome to the Midnight Dynasty. The warring Morelli and Constantine families have had enough bad blood to fill an ocean, and their brand new stories will be told by your favorite dangerous romance authors. That's One for the Money by Sky Warren. Go grab it now. This is Unexpected Claim by Alexa Riley. Read for you by Leah Holland. Chapter 1 Ivy I inspect myself in the mirror as I do a little turn. I think it looks cute. I reassure myself as I try not to think how crazy this is to begin with. I have a feeling Reba isn't going to like my outfit much. I already know she's going to show up looking like a sex kitten. She dresses like a vixen every day. But I have a feeling tonight she's really going to push the envelope. It's something I've loved about Reba since I met her a year ago, after I moved in across from her. She shakes up my world, and I know I've needed it. Open up, my sacrificial virgin, she yells through the door while banging on it. 
I slip on my flats as I run out of my bedroom to go and greet her. Luckily, we are the only ones who live on this floor. There are four other units in our building, not counting the bookstore we sit on top of. I pop the lock and swing the door open. The sacrificial virgin thing was a joke. Her eyes run over me as she welcomes herself in. I look down at my outfit. It's cute, I say defensively. That's the problem. She smiles knowingly at me. She knew I was going to wear something like this. I look at her outfit and see the very big difference between us. She's in a red dress that looks like it's been painted onto her dark skin. The top is so low cut that I bet a nipple could pop out at any moment. She's completely done up. Her black hair is in curls and her makeup is flawless. Reba has a body made for sin. She's like one of those pinup dolls with curves in all the right places. I could never fill out a dress like that. I'm tiny everywhere, and it feels like it even more as I stand next to her in my simple white dress. The top hugs my small boobs and flares out at the hips. It's one of my favorite dresses because the material is lightweight and perfect for a Chicago summer. But this dress could easily be worn to any function, and it's nothing like what Reba has on. Look, I turn around and show her my back. There's a small slit that reveals a little skin. It's not much, but I'm trying. Your hair looks good. She reaches out and touches one of my white blonde locks. I love my hair. It's got some wave in it, and I never have to put in much effort. It's easy, but still pretty. Thanks, I say, and go to grab my purse. Not so fast. I turn to look at her. You're not wearing flats. I glance down at my feet, then over to hers. I'll die in something like that. She's got on what look like four or five inch heels. Don't you have something else? Yeah, I think. I make my way back to my room and grab a pair of heels. I sit down on my bed and wrap the straps around my ankle and up my calves before I buckle them. I walk back into the living room and Reba laughs. Those are wedges, not heels. They're adorable, I protest as I turn around to show her. They are white with a bow on the back of the heel. You're what's adorable, Ivy. She reaches into her little purse and digs for a minute before pulling out lipstick and handing it to me. This will match well. It's a soft pink with a little sparkle. I walk over to the bathroom and put it on. While you're in there, lose the bra, I hear her say. I debate it for a moment, but finally give in, taking it off and looking at myself in the mirror. You can almost see my nipples. I step out and show her, pointing right at them. What if I get cold? Or turned on, she interrupts, but I ignore her. They'll show. I know. She wiggles her perfectly shaped eyebrows at me. I can't believe I'm doing this, I mumble, and finally pick up my bag. It's going to be fun, Ivy. It's just a party. I roll my eyes at her. It's an orgy, I correct. It's a sex club. It just so happens to be orgy night. She shrugs one shoulder. Babe, you don't have to do anything. Just come have fun. Take a look around and come out of that sexless box you've put yourself in. She takes a step closer to me and grabs my hand. I want you to go in there and feel sexy and alive. I want you to crave sex. Because I don't think you do, and that's a shame. 
I bite my lip, knowing she's right. I don't really think about it. It's an afterthought, and I don't put myself out there. I'm doing it, I tell her, feeling a little more confident. Well, I don't mean it, like sex. I just mean I'm going, okay? I nervously correct myself as I ramble on. Come on, she says with a laugh in her words, and we head out. When we hit the street, I feel my excitement start to grow as some of the doubt washes away. We can walk, she tells me. I don't know how she runs around the city in heels as tall as hers. The place is close, I ask, somewhat shocked. What if someone recognizes me? Yeah, that's why I moved here. We walk about six blocks, and I notice that men turn to look at us. They always do when I'm with Reba, but this time I notice their eyes on me, too. She stops at the top of a set of stairs. I can't see where they lead down to, but there's a sign over them that reads members only. There's no name or any other identifier to show what the place is. You ready? She asks as she smiles excitedly at me. As I'll ever be. We walk down the stairs and she pushes a button. The door is set up like an old speakeasy, so a peephole slides open, revealing a woman's eyes. She doesn't say anything, just slides it closed and opens the door for us. It's a pleasure to see you again, Lady Reba, the beautiful woman says. Same to you, Lacey. Remember I said I was bringing someone? Of course. The tall redhead looks at me. Oh, my. Her eyes run up and down my body. They're going to enjoy her. The door is closed and bolted behind me, and Reba takes my hand and leads me down the small hallway. Once we reach the end, the room opens up and there's a bar in front of us. I chance a glance around the room and then feel my cheeks burn. About ten men have their eyes on me, and they look hungry. Chapter 2 Shepherd I don't know about this, I say, as the bartender gives me my second beer. There's a three-drink limit in this place, and I know I'm going to need a lot more than that to make it through the night. You've got to lighten up, Mark says as he pats me on the back. This is supposed to be fun. I can feel the tension rolling down my back and knots forming in my shoulders. Is a sex club supposed to make you feel this stressed? I wouldn't have any idea. Come on, Shep, relax. Mark takes his whiskey from the bar and sips it slowly. Maybe I should have gotten hard liquor, but I wanted to keep my wits. I told you, I've been coming here for years. It's totally safe. They only allow senior members to bring someone with them, and even then, it's on rare occasions we actually bring someone with us. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. He looks away from me when he says it, and I know it's because he's trying not to make me feel bad. It makes me grip the bottle in my hand tighter and grind my teeth. Mark and I have been friends since we were in middle school. Back then, I had scoliosis and had to wear a back brace. You can imagine how a kid wearing one of those got treated, and it was a really shitty time in my life. Luckily, though, Mark wasn't like everyone else, and he took me under his wing. He was one of the cool kids back then, playing every sport he could and getting all the attention from girls. He even had the Zach Morris hair to go along with his ego, but he was never an asshole about it. He was one of the good guys. 
By the time we'd made it to our senior year of high school, I didn't have to wear the brace anymore, but the damage was done in most of their eyes. They could only ever see me as the kid with the disability, and that went double for the girls. Mark was always trying to set me up, but I never wanted pity dates. I grew a lot during college and was even able to play on some intramural flag football teams. Through hard work and being a late bloomer, I even got bigger than Mark. But by the time we graduated, I'd still never so much as kissed a girl. To Mark's credit, he never gave me shit about it. But we both know why he brought me here tonight. He wants me to get laid. It's not like I'm not after the same thing, but there's not a lot of women lining up outside my IT firm. I'm the best in the business at what I do, but almost all my work is done from home. If Mark didn't drag me out to games and poker night, I'd still be sitting in my penthouse staring down at the city. He's a good friend, and though I bitch about it, I appreciate him trying to help me out. I don't know, man. Maybe another night, I hedge thinking maybe he'll give me the keys to his car and I can get out of here. He turns and looks at me, setting his drink on the bar. I'll make you a deal. I raise my eyebrow, thinking this is probably not going to be what I'm after. You stay for one hour. That's all I'm asking. I look around the bar and see a few people having drinks and talking softly. There are couples with wedding bands, singles mixed in between, and groups of four or five sitting at tables close by. Everything is calm, and if I didn't know this was an orgy, I would think it's just a normal cocktail party. Sure, some of the women are dressed in clothes meant for clubbing, but nothing crazy. I don't know what I expected. Maybe strap-ons and drag queens, but that doesn't seem to mesh with what's in front of me. One hour, I confirm, and Mark nods. All right. I agree and he clinks his glass against my bottle. Just as I take a drink, a soft chime interrupts the music on the speakers, and a set of double doors open. Two identical women in matching green dresses step forward. They're holding hands and smile as they address the crowd. Good evening, one of the twins says and winks at her sister. Welcome to the dungeon. The playground is open. Just remember, the other twin says. House rules apply in the open space, and anything goes in the private rooms. Enjoy, they say in unison, and the crowd begins to move around us. What are the house rules? Suddenly I feel really unprepared for this. It's just what we went over in the car, Mark answers. We remain at the bar as some of the crowd moves through the double doors. In the open, you're allowed to watch until you're invited to participate, Multiple people join in, condoms are required, and there are helpers close by if there are any problems. Are there usually problems? I ask, feeling a little sweaty. I'm not completely innocent. I've watched porn, I jerk off, but this is so beyond anything I've been imagining my first time to be. One time someone's leg got stuck. He laughs and then shakes his head. I'm just fucking with you. No, there have never been problems. Anytime someone wants to be more private, there are rooms down the back hallway. Relax, Shep. I let out a breath and nod. One hour. Then I can get out of here and clear my head. We set our drinks down and Mark pushes away from the bar. I follow him through the double doors, trying to control my heartbeat. At 
I have to duck a little under the frame. But once I step through, the room is gigantic. It's nothing like I expect. But none of this has been. In the middle of the room, there are two steps that lead up to what can only be described as a gigantic bed. There are drapes all around it, and sheer fabric that screens some of the people already climbing in. I thought it would just be a pile of naked bodies, but it looks like something out of a Greek bathhouse. There are lounge chairs around the room with trays of fruit and water. Some couples are lying on them and only kissing, while others are stripping bare. I've got a meeting with the twins, but I'm close if you need anything. Remember. To relax, I got it, I say, not wanting Mark to be my babysitter. I watch as the women in green smile at Mark and wrap their arms around him. He kisses each of them before they take a lounger on the other side of the room. I spot an empty space close by and walk over, leaning up against the wall. I don't know where to look, but it seems that's what I'm supposed to do. Some people are clearly into being watched, while some are here to do the watching. I take a breath and try to calm my nerves. This is my first orgy, so I'm going to take things slow. There are three men and one woman in the middle of the room, and she seems to be enjoying herself from the sound of things. A couple close to me smiles and raises their glasses of water, but I shake my head. Thank God Mark had explained the gesture to me earlier. If someone wants you to join in, that's the signal, and it's no offense if you say you don't want to. I can't take this kind of planning. Why can't I just find a nice woman to ask on a date and then have sex like a normal person? Glancing around, I see Mark fully engaged with the twins across the room. Giving up on this ridiculous idea, I push away from the wall. I'll find my own way home. This isn't for me. Just as I turn toward the double doors, in walks the most beautiful woman I've ever laid eyes on. She's so petite, she probably only comes up to my stomach. But the sight of her thin white dress and hard pink nipples has my cock throbbing. She's smiling at a woman beside her as she steps farther into the room and looks around. I didn't know what it would feel like when I was finally ready to take a woman under me but the sight of her has every primal instinct screaming at me to mount and breed. Male hormones are taking over, and suddenly my reason for being here is perfectly clear. Her. I'm here for her. Chapter 3 Ivy I stand frozen, feeling a little uncomfortable, I'm not used to so much male attention. It makes me feel sexy, but unsure at the same time. Something inside me tells me that I'm not theirs to look at, nor should I really even look at them. Suddenly, I feel really protective of myself, and I don't know why. I take it all back, Reba says next to me. Your outfit is perfect. You have the place salivating. I hear the smile in her voice. She's more excited about this than I am. Come on, let's get you a drink to calm your nerves. She grabs my hand, pulling me towards the bar. I look away from the room and the people staring at me, but I can still feel their eyes. I'm not sure I really like it. Their looks might be hot and needy, but they feel cold at the same time. Cosmo, Reba says to the bartender, pointing at me. You know what I'll have. 
She winks at the man behind the bar. He gives her a smile and goes about making our drinks. Maybe I should just have a glass of wine? I don't normally drink hard liquor, not since my first college party. It was the one and only time. After that night and a two-day hangover, I always stuck with wine, normally two glasses at the most, but I'm good to go. You need this. She pushes it toward me and I bite my lip. Besides, one drink isn't going to get you drunk. It will just help you relax a little, make the tension leave your body. Going to introduce us? The bartender says to Reba. He's got a smile on his face, and I see a dimple showing in one of his cheeks. He looks sweet, with his blonde hair and blue eyes. She's not into pain, so back up. My eyes go round. The smile he wears drops away, and I see a glint in his eyes. There's a trace of what Reba said. What do they call it? I have to think for a moment. Sadist. The word sends a chill down my spine. I break eye contact with the bartender and take a gulp of my alcohol, making Reba and the bartender laugh. I don't bite. He pauses for a second. Unless you want me to. I shake my head. Nope, I definitely don't want to be bitten by him. I notice my mind didn't rule it out completely, just with him. The idea of a man leaving a mark on my skin holds appeal, but it feels like it should be done by someone you belong to. A man leaving a mark on you is some kind of claim, not some one-night romp. Somehow it's more personal. Leave her alone. We don't want to scare her off on her first night, Reba tells him. He holds his hands up, the easy smile coming back to his lips. I relax and glance over my shoulder. A few people are still looking at me, but most are hanging out and talking. If I didn't know any better, I think we were just in some upscale neighborhood bar. Not what I thought it would be, I say, more to myself. I thought there would be naked people everywhere, women on their knees giving blowjobs or draped over chairs taking it from behind. Reba follows my line of sight. It's early, she sighs. Besides, the main event is over there. She points to two double doors that are closed. Sometimes it can get a bit wild in here later, more so when people start exiting the main room. I focus on the double doors she pointed toward, waiting for someone to enter or exit. Don't worry, I'm going to take you over there in a second. When you finish your drink, Reba adds. She mistakes my concentration on the doors. It's not that I'm excited to go through them. I simply want to see who's going in and coming out. I want to get an idea of what's happening. I pull my eyes away from them and back to Reba, who is staring at me. She picks up her glass, that I'm guessing contains whiskey, and takes a drink. I do the same and take another big gulp. I feel myself start to relax a little as the alcohol warms me. Nothing to worry about, Reba says easily. Yeah. Maybe for her, but I still feel people staring at me. It makes me feel naked. I decide to go for it and finish my drink in one final go. Someone's in a hurry, she laughs. I don't know. I can feel the drink calming my nerves, but I kind of want to get on with this. I want to pull the Band-Aid off and see what's behind those doors. I don't want to drag it out and work myself up more than I need to. She finishes off her drink, then stands. See you later, she winks at the bartender. Only if I'm lucky, 
he says, winking back. I slip off the bar stool. Reba grabs my hands and starts walking toward the double doors. I feel my heart pound as she pushes through them. The doors open, then close softly behind us. Before I can take anything in, my eyes go straight to a man who's leaning up against the wall on the far side of the room. How could they not? He's hard to miss. He might be the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. He has to be over a foot taller than me. He's built like a truck, and I wonder if he's some kind of bouncer or security. He's so close to what might be an exit door. He's in a suit, but everything about this place is nice, so I could see security wearing suits here. The sounds of the room fade away, and everything goes quiet in my head as his dark green eyes lock on mine. His face is unreadable, though, as the hard lines there show no trace of emotion. I'm caught in his stare, and I can't pull my eyes away. My feet are rooted to the ground, but the pull I feel toward him is unlike anything I've ever felt. I'd call him fresh meat, but he doesn't look like prey, Reba says loudly. I blink, and the connection I had with the stranger breaks. Hmm? I ask, unsure what she means. He must be here with someone. I've never seen him before. A hard rock sits in my stomach at Reba's words. I wonder who the lucky girl is, because he's... I can't even find the words for it. Beautiful isn't the right one. Maybe powerful? God, he seems unreal. Whatever it is, it made me feel something I've never felt in my life. He's different. Come on. She snaps my attention away from the man who just crushed a little bit of something inside me. Suddenly, I really want to leave. Not because I'm nervous about tonight, but because for some reason, I know it will hurt if I see him with whoever it is he came with. I don't want to watch him touch anyone. I feel possessive and overwhelmed with emotions. What is wrong with me? Reba leads me toward two chairs that run along the wall. I sit down putting my hands in my lap. My eyes stay downcast. I don't have the nerve to look around yet. My mind is still on the man by the door. He's staring at you, Reba says in my ear. It takes everything in me not to look over at him. Instead, I focus on Reba. Really? I feel my cheeks heat. I take that back, she says, and just for a second my heart sinks. He's not staring at you. He's fucking you with his eyes. Jesus, he looks like he's getting off on it. Damn, that's hot. I didn't know a look could be that intense. My heart picks up again, racing in my chest. I take a deep breath, trying to get myself under control. Finally, the sounds of the room start to fill my ears. Moans and heavy breathing fill the air, and my body is getting hot with all of it. I glance over Reba's shoulder and see two naked women on top of a man. He's dressed, but they are completely naked. They're kissing and rubbing all over him. He's got his hands behind his head, enjoying what they're doing to him. I think about having to watch the man I saw when I came in doing that. Maybe I should go, I mumble, standing up. You haven't even looked around, Reba complains. Panic and indecision rise within me, I turn to have a look around, but my sight is blocked by a wide chest that's covered in a very nice suit. Eyes on me.
His low timbre rolls across my skin and causes a warm chill to hit me right between my legs. Only me. You don't look at other men. Holy shit, I hear Reba gasp. Big hands cut my face, drawing my eyes up to his. If you came here to play tonight, I'll be the only one you play with, the man says, staking his claim on me. I'm Shepard. Now tell me your name. Ivy, I whisper, proud of myself for being able to remember it. Of course you are, he says, brushing his thumb along my jaw. And just like the vine, you're going to cover me until there's nothing left, aren't you? Yes, I answer, barely audible over the noise of the room. I don't know what I'm agreeing to, but he likes what he hears. Good girl. Chapter 4 Shepherd. I glance back to her friend, who stands up and walks up behind Ivy. Why don't you two get to know one another right here? I think I see a playmate I need to speak to, she says, and Ivy nods without taking her eyes off me. I'll be close by if you need anything. You kids have fun. She winks at me before she walks over to another table, where an older man looks to have been waiting on her. I don't know what possessed me to come over here and touch her like this, but I didn't have a choice. Everything in me demanded I act, and I couldn't deny my pull to her. Sit down with me, I say, drawing her over to the oversized love seat. I purposely sit in the middle, so she has to sit in my lap. This is a sex club, after all. No sense in acting like I don't know what I want. Reaching out, I take her hand and she comes to me easily. She sits down on my knees and I pull her close. Her eyes are on me the whole time, and though I want to fuck her like I've never wanted anything before, I also want to keep her. Her dark pink nipples are hard through the thin white fabric of her dress. I graze the back of my knuckles over one little peak, and her breath catches in her throat. The sounds of sex are all around us, and I can feel my heartbeat between my legs. Her thigh is pressed against my hard cock, and I rub against it a little, trying to find relief. Ha have you done this before? Her eyes roam down my chest and to the hand that's resting between her legs. No, I answer with clear honesty. I've never even kissed a woman. She narrows her eyes like she thinks I'm lying. It's true. My friend Mark brought me here. He's been trying to get me laid since college. When she still looks skeptical, I turn the question around on her. Have you done this before? Come to a sex club and hypnotize someone? She lets out a laugh and then shrugs one shoulder. No, I've never done anything like this. I'm, um, a virgin, too. She looks nervous admitting it, but I'm not sure why. I don't have experience with women, but I've got a ton of experience with being a virgin, and I don't find it embarrassing. I never met the right woman, and I didn't want it to be a pity lay when one or two offered. Why is it so hard to believe that I'm just like you? I ask, as I move the hand on her ass around to cup one of her cheeks. I think if you're here for something, I can figure out how to give it to you. 
She bites her lip as I slide the hand between her legs up and under her dress. I touch the tips of my fingers against the damp cotton covering her pussy and lick my lips. God, how I want to taste her. I want this queen's pussy to be the first one on my lips. Spread them, I say, and she does as I ask. I trace the edge of her panties and push them aside, giving me access to her warm, wet cunt. Are you here to look, or are you here to lose this little cherry? She gasps as I slide two fingers through her wetness. I, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm... Her words fall away as I find that soft spot inside her. I've read everything I could on how to please a woman, and I know the second I've hit her G-spot. I rub her there slowly as I move my lips closer to hers. Do you hear them? I say. The sounds of people fucking are all around us. Wet caresses and pounding flesh fill the room. Men grunting and women reaching their peaks have her pussy clenching on my fingers. This place is meant to get you off, but I think you'd rather I did it for you. My lips are barely an inch from hers now, and she's breathing heavy as I strum her special spot. Yes, she says her arm coming up to grip my shoulder. For a second, I think she's going to push my hand away, but she only pulls me closer. Only you, though. I close my eyes as the power of her words hits me. Only me. I can't take it anymore, and I close the distance between our lips. She tastes like candy, the sour kind. It's tart and makes my mouth water. When her tongue comes out to touch mine and she moans, I swallow it. I never imagined my first kiss would be like this, but it's better than any fantasy I might have concocted. In my wildest dreams, I never could have conjured up such perfection, and even then I wouldn't have envisioned her pussy dripping onto my hand while I did it. I gently brush my thumb across her clit, and when her body jerks, I growl, I do it again and again, feeling her writhe in my arms as her orgasm approaches. I'm going to come on myself, I tell her, as I work my hand between her legs. Why not admit to her how good she feels and how wild she's making me? Your pussy is driving me crazy, and I haven't even had a taste yet. Her dark blue eyes find mine, and she takes her hand off my shoulder to glide down my arm. Her fingers brush over the ones I have inside her, and she coats them in her wetness. I watch with held breath as she brings them up to my mouth and brushes them across my lips. I sweep my tongue against her fingers before she has a chance to take them away. I suck one into my mouth, and the flavor of her cunt has me exploding. I come with a choked grunt as her body does the same. She starts to cry out but I kiss her lips, not wanting anyone else to hear what I've done to her, the gift her body has eagerly received. As her body relaxes and her breathing settles, I slow the speed of my fingers, but don't take them out. I don't want to leave her body yet, and she feels like heaven. Wow, she says with a little laugh and a smile. I rest my forehead against hers and try to get my body under control. You're shaking she murmurs as she wraps her arms around me. I need you, I say, and place a soft kiss on her lips. 
I don't know how else to explain it. It's like I've just had a drug injected into me and I'm instantly addicted. Do you want to do that again? She asks, moving her hips on my fingers. Yes, but I want more. I want to suck on your nipples when I do it this time. I lick my lips and look down. Ivy glances around the room and then back at me. She has her back to the crowd and pulls the low V of her dress to the side, revealing one breast. Fuck, I exhale, then lean down and latch onto it. Her body tenses as soon as my mouth makes contact and her fingers go to my hair. They dig in and hold on as I again find the sweet spot between her legs with deft fingers. Her body is already so in tune with my touch, and mine is wired tight. I'm going to come on myself again, I say against her breast as I bite the soft tissue around it. God, why does that make me so hot? She asks as she works her hips against my fingers to get her off again. Because you've got all the power, my queen. You're making me lose control, and it feels good. More, she moans as her orgasm gets closer. I suck her nipple hard this time and feel her body shake as it hits her. It's all I can do to keep up the steady rhythm as I come in my boxer briefs once again and feel the warm cream of her pussy coat my fingers. Fuck, I mutter, resting my face against her exposed breast. I still want more. Even as my cock throbs the last of my release, I know it's not enough. I look into her eyes, and I can see desire burning in them too. The continued sounds of fucking surround us, and it's like the universe is screaming at us to join in, to do what our bodies demand and mate like animals. I want you too, she says, as she moves her hand down my chest into my cock. There's a dark wet spot there, and she stops to rub her fingers in it before bringing them to her mouth to taste. When she moans, I stiffen and grab her wrist. You're playing with fire, Ivy. What if I want to suck you off? She says quietly, her cheeks burning with nerves and excitement. Right here. My fingers slip from her cunt as she falls to her knees in front of me. Hey, and we're back. So, it's just me. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's the Alexa Raleigh week. We're just, we're having a hot mess. Make sure you check out uh, the new release posts, our new releases, the arrangement. Check out the four submission bundle, enter the giveaway, and we'll see you back here on Thursday with the second installment of Unexpected Claim. Fuck your day up. Make day your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Read me